Your parish of retrogrades. Happy Monday. Such a thing exists. There's a lot going on in the church today, but I had planned for you an annulment show, one that will surely cause a quake because the implications of my annulment research, which is out there for anybody to do, are so staggering, they really ought to make anyone who has what they think is an annulment in the past and has remarried um, re- reconsider my annulment may not be valid according to the Roman Catholic Church. It might not, it probably actually isn't valid using the numbers that the Catholic Church uses. I'll substantiate that in two ways to today's show. And um, because I didn't get to this before Thanksgiving, I wanted to get to it today. We'll, we'll do other church news later today or tomorrow. This show is very, very important. Here's why. So far, we're ten and a half years into the Francis pontificate. That decade of Pope Francis is marked most by Amoris Laetitia. What to do with civilly divorced, non-annulled remarrieds. Civilly divorced, non-annulled remarrieds who are Catholic. Who There's a fourth element to what Amoris Laetitia was, who specifically want to keep having sex with the concubine they live with, who they call their, their new spouse, the civilly new spouse. Those four elements. That is essentially what Francis devoted the doctrinal part of his, his mission, missiologically, to in the first decade. Now he's moved on to um, the German synodal way, elevating its leaders, pretending to rebuke them, um, which, which he did late last week, pretending to rebuke them while elevating its leaders and its goal, um, SS unions and women deacons. Okay, so that will be whatever portion of the second decade in the chair of Peter that Francis has. But the first full decade was the Amoris Laetitia decade. Cardinal Brandmuller told us this is the first goal of the Sankt Gallen Mafia is to tend to remarried civilly divorcees who couldn't get an annulment, which is strange because everyone can get an annulment almost, um, who are remarried, who don't want to follow John Paul II's norm from paragraph 84 of Familiaris Consortio. Sure, if you're remarried, you have another kid, You can live with your concubine as long as you make a promise to the church and to each other to live continently. You can't have sex with someone besides your true spouse who you're divorced from. Um, Francis specifically spent 10 years, the 2014 Synod, the 2015 Synod, 2016's Amoris Laetitia, and then the rest of the year in 2016 building a plan for Amoris Laetitia to become universalized and then responding to Dubia even uh, two months ago about it, saying, yes, if you're a divorce remarried, you ought to be able to have sex with this new person who's not your spouse. It's the exception that swallows the rule, JP2's rule familiaris consortio. So Francis, Francis's magisterium, contradicts familiaris consortio. No one says it doesn't. Familiaris consortio said people in this situation have to live continently. That's not their spouse. They can't do them. Pardon my French. Um, And JP2 just 
flatly contradicts JP2's magisterium, which is, for all intents and purposes, irreformable, JP2, because he taught with 2,000 years of Catholic theology. Well, that's fine and well. It's actually not, because Francis is running ahead with his at least materially heretical program for those divorced and remarried. But here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. And again, none of it's really funny. Everyone in some dioceses, literally everyone, in all other dioceses, metaphorically everyone, you know, 90 to 95% of everyone else, can get an annulment. And that itself represents a change by Francis before the 2014 and 2015 synods began. Did you know that? He reformed the annulment process, as did the USCCB in 1971. Here's the long and the short of it. Father Gerald Murray, who's a canonist, he has a doctorate in canon law and was on a canonical tribunal for years, said that the Catholic High Tribunal Court called the Roman Rota, formerly headed by Monsignor Pinto, remember him? Bad guy who got in trouble. He might have been a Mason. I'll have to double check. Under Francis, that court sends back 95%, that is 19 out of every 20, American annulments. Was it American annulments or annulments worldwide? You'll see throughout the course of this show, once we get into all the nitty-gritty, where the devil lives is in the detail, you'll see why we're mostly talking to Americans here. 95%, in other words, of those of you who have been given the green light by your particular church, actually... The numbers, which don't lie, say you would be given the red light if you took your case on appeal to the larger universal church, the higher court, which is called the Roman Rota, the highest canonical tribunal in the Catholic Church in the world. That means 19 out of 20 of you don't have a lot of divorces among the parish orphans and retrogrades, but we have some, and I care about your souls. I care about you. 19 out of 20 of you, the numbers suggest, by the Roman Rota, are living in a state where you think you're in your first marriage in God's eyes, even though you have a civil divorce somewhere in your, the closet, the skeleton in the closet. You think you're free to go ahead, and you actually don't. It's actually your second civil marriage you never received a real annulment, 19 out of 20 of you. I'm just telling you the facts now. That's 95%. Only one out of 20 of you who have an annulment really have the annulment. The other 19 out of 20 have a fake annulment. I'm going to tell you how to, how, to, how to back these numbers up, and I'm going to give you a second demonstration, a completely other route of showing the number's probably actually higher than 95%. Uh, there's a question in chat on this topic, and they said, question that if the church gives an annulment, but the marriage was actually valid, is the responsibility on the church? Um, okay, so remember, I get this question every time I bring up annulments. They say, the church gave me an annulment. 
It's not the church. When we, this is called metonymy. When we speak, you, you know, saying one particular thing represents the whole church. The easier metonymy, metonymous substitution to make, would be to say the Roman rota represents the entire church. And I'm, we're going we're gonna to get into it. I want to call out a few, few things and the introduction, and then we'll get all into it. But the, the, the short answer is this. The Roman rota may speak, as the high court, high canonical tribunal, may speak for the whole church in a metonymous way that your individual, particularly if you're an American, canonical tribunal may not. Following upon Vatican II, the USCCB implemented new norms in 1971 that were so radical, they brought the number of annulments granted, I, I think this is just in the United States, from 338 in 1968, this is a very typical number, a lot of times the number was even under 300 uh, in years past, but this is a number that represents literally, you know, one part per million. In a country of a million, you have one annulment. Let's say it's a little country like Belize or something. I don't know how many people are there. Let's pretend it's a one million person country. Let's pretend they're all mostly Catholic. You have like one valid annulment per year because the norms that governed the church for 1,971 years until the year 1971 were all the same. What were those norms? They basically stated this. You might have told your Protestant friends this triumphantly. We're Catholic. We don't have divorce. There's this rare thing that happens where you might have been tripping balls the day before your wedding and the day of your wedding, and you got cheated on and you didn't notice it, and, or you had a high fever, you were in a, a fugue state, and your bride-to-be told you, I hate you. I'm not going to bear you kids. I intend to cheat or I intend not to be wedded for life. And that one out of a million type of case would have been what King Henry VIII sought and killed for but couldn't get. What King Herod sought and killed John the Baptist for but could not get. An annulment. King Herod didn't even know this existed. King Henry VIII did. But he, he was denied one the, the, the relevant time. I think he got two or something. Steph's my English history buff from the time period. I think he, I think he, re- he got his first one and tried to get a second one. Maybe I'm thinking the Anglican he church. He had to create an old church to, to get it. There would be no English I mean, revolution. Men have, men have, St. Thomas More, men have died. That's why it's such a, an interesting topic to me. Because now in, in 2023, people talk about annulments like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, brave men have died for this issue in better times in church history. That they were like, no, this is not okay. You cannot just divorce your wife and marry another one because you, are, you find yourself unhappy. To the tune of as late out, consistent numbers... Through 1970 years in the Roman Catholic Church, English Reformation was based on it. John the Baptist's martyrdom was based on it. Everything connecting those 1,500 or so years, and even a few years, a few centuries after that, such that in 1968, one of the last years we have the pre-revolution numbers for, 
338 annulments in, in, in this, whatever, 250 million person country. 338. That's the equivalent of getting struck by lightning. There are probably more lightning strike deaths that year than the amount of annulments which were granted. And that represents the church's true view. How do we know? Because it goes back to apostolic times, goes back to the story of Herod and, and John the Baptist. So it's basically impossible to get one. Then the norms are changed by the USCCB in the year 1971. They changed three main things. I'm going to read to you what they are. If you change norms, you're going to change outcomes, which was their very goal. And guess how the, the first year I have the, the new norms outcome for is 1974, basically the same population holding all other factors equal. It's basically the same population in America. That number jumped exponentially from 338, but think of it as like the year before, to the very next year, a couple years later, 28,918. This was so revolutionary that Pope John Paul II, not any hyper-conservative by any stretch, rejected it in the 1983 canon, uh, uh, Code of Canon Law. He said, no, those American norms are bad. I'm not going to use them. The rest of the world, the USCCB can do what it wants. Again, who knows why JP2 did half the stuff he did. He should have called them back. They basically just created Catholic divorce in America, which we've had. Catholics in America, because the USCCB was not put on check, had Catholic divorce. You know how I know? Because by 1991, that number rose to 63,933 annulments. Supposed to be about 300 a year, maybe 350 for population rise between 1968 and 1991. By 1991, it had risen to 63,933. That is an outrage. And Pope Francis, in 2014 and 2015, before all the Amoris Laetitia, Synod on the Family revolution that he waged for those who those freaks who can't receive an annulment. Who can't receive an annulment? What must you have done? What crime must you have done to be not valid for an annulment in the United States? Anyone can get an annulment. Well, so he waged his revolution, and we're only talking about non-annullables. But he did all of his dirty work before then. And bear in mind that Pope Francis is reputed to have said, and that once again, this total embarrassment of a pope said uh, in 2016, it's provisional. And because of this great majority of our, of our sacramental marriages end up being null because they say yes for the rest of my life, but they don't know what they're saying. He said the great majority of marriages around the world, the great majority, he originally said, are void. He said, do you know how absurd this is? He had to back it off. Walter Casper, his henchman in chief, said he, he'd always said about half of them. 
Francis likes to exaggerate. He gets the juices flowing. Casper said 50%. He said 50%. 50%. An actual percentage. Casper said, Francis said 50%. And the Vatican walked this back to a portion. So we can assume he meant 50%. But here he said, the vast majority of sacramental marriages are null, meaning there is Catholic divorce because anyone can get one because none of these things or very few of them. The vast majority are null and void. That's why he changed the annulment process to reflect the 1971 USCCB process. And that's why, my friends, he, he wants to help even the ones who, under the lenient new restrictions, cannot be annulled. That's something else. I'm going to prove to you that the number that I gave in the opening shot here 95% of you who think you have an annulment don't, 19 out of 20. That's the Roman Rota's number. I'm going to sh- prove to you that the number is closer to 99% of you. In other words, I'm talking to the divorced retrogrades out there. No, the Roman Rota says about 19 out of 20 of you should not remarry. Okay, You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You can't... <laughs> you can't Go have sex with someone new and pretend you're married to them. 19 out of 20 of you that might have been told that lie by your particular church. That's the, the, the Catholic high court. By its numbers, by its actions, by its deeds. That number, according to Father Jerry Murray, is 95%. I'd heard 90 in years past that the Roman Rota invalidated 90%. Jerry Murray says 95. I'm telling you today, humble listener, I submit to you that the number is more like 98.8% of those of you who think you're annulled should not remarry. You should live celibate. You don't get to go do anyone new. Sorry to put it crassly. You should either move back home with your true spouse in God's eyes, 98.8% of you. Or if you don't want to go home, that's fine. But you don't get to go pick up a new lady or a new woman, maybe at the dance club, the discotheque. You don't get to go get that hot, fit, sweaty Latin dancer dancing all up on you, you know, in your midlife crisis. Sorry. Go home, read a book, get a cat or a, a bevy of cats, make a hearty winter stew. You can hang out alone because you can say sorry. And with grave reasons, you can even separate from your true spouse. But you can't go Netflix and chill with some new, hot, sweaty Latin dancer. I know you want to. I'm doing this for your soul because that number is not 95%. Lots of normies in the church have suggested the number is far lower than 95%. You're right. It's not the correct number. I think the more correct number, because the Roman Rota itself It's only a 20-year institution, 20-year-old institution. It is actually diminishing it. The number is 98.8% if we judge by years past. All right. Roman Road is in the 13th century. Well, the name changed 20 years ago, Uh, and they liberalized it 20 years ago in keeping with the Vatican II changes. Oh, and the research that I was looking at, um, they were saying that in, in... so in most dioceses, the uh, success rate for annulments is anywhere between 85, Five. 85 to 90%. Yeah. They say yes. Now, I have numbers on that. 
um, that's very low. So they, that that article was trying to dignify the problem. We'll get into all these number crunching numbers later. Yeah, in many, many dioceses in the United States, the number, as I said before, is 100% diocese-wide. In many others, it's more like uh, Jerry Murray cited, you know, I, I oversaw something like 1,000, and I, I think only two or three uh, uh, applications for the declaration of nullity were denied, meaning 99%, which proves that's just Catholic divorce. Anglicans say, we have divorce, you guys do too, since 1971. Don't get haughty with us. And I'm on the Anglican side on this one. The church changed fundamentally after Vatican II. At least in America. Francis made changes, we're going to talk about them next, that reflected the American change and universalized the American change in 2014-2015. Those of you who look at the calendar, reflect on the year, you note that it is almost 2024. You might also note it's an election year. Bad things will certainly happen for more direct or more indirect reasons, the election cycle. What this means is if you're a conservative or a Christian who lives in a blue state, you need to get to your nearest red state, if possible, get to a southeasterly red state like I did, um, use realestateforlife.org, www.realestateforlife.org. It's not yet too late. It could be at some point, and when it's too late, it's too late. So you want to be in my neck of the woods in the southeast in a red state when bad stuff happens, when they open up beer bug restrictions again, when they open up uh, Maxine mandates again, when they hit us with martial law because of fake aliens in the sky, which aren't real, they're going to uh, do something in the upcoming year. Get to a red state today. Realestateforlife.org will furnish you with a helper who is pro-life, probably pro-Catholic, and you'll be able to get out of your red state. Please do support this channel. Hard times are ahead, not just for the world in general, but for Catholics who do what we're doing. There is more than a whisper that Burke is soon to follow, maybe in harsher punitive terms, the Strickland path, the walk of shame at the hands of Francis. I'll probably have to do a show on this later today or tomorrow. Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke <coughs> being punished. Bishop Robert Barron has renewed his call to basically decommission faithful Catholic lay YouTubers to make us take Catholic out of our name or something. I forget exactly what his measures were. Something like that. To take us out of business so that the corrupt bishops who gave us things like Catholic divorce in 1971, can have a stranglehold on the commentariat. This means, at the very least, we need your help. Please support this show on Locals and Subscribestar. If you think, oh, somebody else will do that. I like watching this show, but someone else will do it. Please bear in mind what time of year it is and all that. We're bringing you content no one else does. Sit and watch the rest of this annulment show. It'll... Blow your hair back. Locals and subscribe star attached to this video today. Or you can just give me a straight up donation. That's That has nothing to do with the show. That's just for the fam. On DonorBox attached to TimothyJGordon.com. 
Okay, so the headline of this show is the Roman Rota, the Catholic High Court, invalidates 95% of American annulments and says, you guys went to the doctors, 19 out of 20 of you, got a clean bill of health from a negligent doctor. He looked at your x-ray and said, no tumor, when really 19 out of 20 of you had a tumor, that the tumor is your formal marriage. 19 out of 20 of you Americans, this is judging by the dispositions of the high Catholic court, the Roman Rota, said, no, you're, you're faulty. You're not free to remarry. Don't remarry. Cease and desist. You cannot do this. You have a spouse in God's eyes. In other words, the annulment that you were given is a fake one. 95%. That's the facts. A lot of people are in the chat or the comm box after this show saying, well, but the church can't err. Nope. Your particular church can err. This is not an infallible declaration made by particular churches. The individual canonical tribunals in dioceses, they were changed in America in 1971 (coughs) such that you went from, in a multi-hundred million person country, you had about 300 annulments granted per year. The amount of people that die of, say, snakebite or lightning strike per year. One in a million, right? Say it's, say it's 300 in a 300 million person country. One annulment per, per million people. Two, just a couple years later, because of the norm change, Almost 30,000 annulments. You change a norm, you change the outcome. 17 years after that, that number rose to almost 64,000 in 1991. You go from a couple hundred to 64,000. I think that was the peak year in 1991. It's fallen a little bit since then. Those are the facts. Whatever amount of those are appealed each year, The Catholic High Court says, nope, the individual canonical tribunals using these three new norms that were used in America beginning in 1971 were false. This means, practically, that at least 95% of you out there who are listening right now who think you're in a free status to remarry, and maybe you did or maybe you're just on the hunt, you're 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 some... Whatever, 50-year-old guy with the chest hair coming out and you're hunting up the nightclubs, the discotheques, looking for a, a hot, firm, young Latin dancer, whatever you're on the prowl for, whatever you dumped your wife for. Don't do it. Your eternal salvation matters more than anything. And these canonical tribunals in America are selling poisonous candy to school kids. They're telling you, yeah, yeah, everyone gets a, an annulment. Don't do it. Look into your particular canonical tribunal. And if you really want to be sure, be more sure, then appeal your own annulment to the Roman Rota. If you really want to stick with your new wife, appeal that, that, that annulment and say, is my declaration of nullity valid? Or else you pretty much have it on you, 95%. If you take your own salvation seriously, so you're not living with a concubine from now until the day of your death, um, 
you should break that off and go get back with your old wife. If you don't want to appeal your own case and hope maybe it'll be one in 20 that come back. Steph, remember, what did, what did we, we looked on one of, we, Steph and I were caught researching into the night because this is such a fascinating look into the heart of how the post-Vatican II liberals destroyed the church by destroying the family. Remember those sites? Um, I've looked at a couple of them that are like helpers or advocates that are like, get your, get your annulment today. We'll yeah. get it extra fast. Yeah, we'll get it in 24 hours or less. We'll get it in 24 hours. Imagine <laughs> this. I came up with a good analogy. Imagine the worst student you've ever met that you went to high school with that was huffing paint in the bathroom. Straight Fs. Um, calling up Oxford and being like, yo, I put, in a, I put in an application. And they're like, look, we have very strong applicant pool. <coughs> 300 applicants this year to the philosophy department. Only six get in. And th- which, is, which is still more likely odds than the Catholic odds of truly getting an annulment. I just go ask King Henry VIII. And he goes, yeah, so when do you send out your acceptance letters? And they'll say, um, well, we send out our letters, acceptance, and much more likely rejection letters in February or early March. And then this flunky says, okay, well, I, I, all that's relevant for me is the acceptance letters. I know I'm getting in. And they're like, we're looking at your application. Don't count on it. And they're kind of chuckling to themselves, right? This is... This is um, in an imperfected way, what it's like to go on any of these sites that proffer to help you get your annulment in America, except they make good on the claim. They're like the flunky student. They represent the flunky student who says, we'll, we'll guarantee you get into Oxford, even if you have straight Fs. And they actually get you into Oxford with straight Fs. These sites are ridiculous. And they're like, yeah, before you had to wait three long months to get into Oxford. We'll get you in tomorrow. Like it's a DeVry tech. <coughs> That's what we're dealing with. So the second way that I promised to show you that the Roman road is a number of 95% of declarations of nullity are invalid is by crunching these numbers. The Catholic Church had a... a a worldwide total of annulments granted, one per million, for about almost 2,000 years. For every million people in a country, maybe one gets an annulment. That's what's represented by about 300 per year in the 60s, in a 300 million person country. Just to make the numbers even. Your odds are about, if you live in a million person country, about one of them could apply for and get an annulment. One in a million. Okay? I don't mean um, all million people of those apply for the Declaration of Noldi. Of course not. But if you live in little Malta or, uh, you know, whatever, take your little, your pick, little Belize. Let's just call them million Persian countries. One person in the country, two people in the country who are married to each other. Let's call it a two million person country. There was one annulment granted to one couple in this million person Catholic country. That's consistent with John the Baptist, Herod. Herod Diaz, or however you say her name, the concubine. Uh, King Henry VIII, Catherine of Aragon, who, who is the first uh, uh, whore wife? Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn. 
that that number applies. Your odds are about one in a million. There will be one valid annulment per million. And that number jumping to, whoa, five figures overnight after the U.S. bishops implemented their 1971 norm changes, that produces a numerator and a denominator in my approach. And guess what? Holding other factors equal, if we say, okay, there, there wasn't much of a, a shift in population, a jump, precipitous jump in U.S. population in these five years, um, you go from, let's just say it's the same, 338 to 28,918. What that means is that the faulty new norms implemented by the U.S. bishops in 1971, rejected by JP2 when he wrote the 1983 Code of Canon Law, and rejected by all of Catholic tradition in 1900 years, all of the new ones that they created by controlling the conditions for the possibility of granting annulment must have been fake ones. And guess what? If all of those new annulments are fake ones, then all you do is you take that figure, 28,918, subtract 338, which is the last valid year we had, and then divide that by 28,918. And guess what that produces? A fake annulment rate higher than the 95% proffered by the Roman Rota. That fake annulment rate rises to 98.8% of the annulments that started being granted after 1971 are invalid. 98.8. Numbers don't lie. You've heard little Ben Shapiro say facts don't care about your feelings. Don't get mad at me. All I'm doing a little more than saying the numbers, right? I'm proselytizing a little bit. I'm pontificating a little bit. I'm sermonizing you on the clear meaning of the numbers. If 90, so we have two metrics. Metric A, the Roman Rhoda says 95% of annulments are fake. Splainers out there say, oh, well, this is only, uh, there, there's noise in that statistic. Noise means, you know, there, there are fudge factors, mutable reasons why we ought not to listen. Um, that's only among people that apply. They were more likely to receive the annulment of the annulment if they were one of those ones who applied for it. Okay, I, I don't think that's right. I think, really, these are faithful Catholics who applied for it. At least one of the spouses were faithful. And that number should actually be expected to rise, not fall, that 95%. Because in a marriage with at least one faithful Catholic who knows what the hell the Roman Rota is, that makes it more likely that it was a valid marriage. You see what I'm saying here? Not less likely that it was a valid marriage. Maybe we're saying the same thing. If you have one member of a marriage that knows to apply it, that should be, you know, that would mean you'd expect the numbers to be, I guess, not much different than the 95%, knowing what we know about 1971. But it, it doesn't mean that the number will fall. Well, anyway, you take this other metric and you just say, for 1970 years, about 300 annulments a year. <coughs> they use faulty norms in America to change this. Let's assume all of their results 
the extra annulments procured by changing those norms were faulty, therefore all the new annulments are faulty, that produces a number of 98.8% of annulments are fake. Only 1.2% on this measure are fake. So, all right, take your pick. If I gave you, I'll give you the Jerry Reinsdorf. If I gave you a bottle of pills, right, you had a really bad headache. And I said to you, and I'm talking to you people out there who think you have an annulment. Look, there's a bunch of pills in this bottle. All of them look the same. 19, there's 20 pills in the bottle. 19 out of 20 of them will kill you. One out of 20 of them will take away your headache and you'll be fine. You'll you'll have the best day of your life. But you have a bad headache. Would you take the pills? Of course not. That's situation A, judging based on the Roman road. You're gambling with your life if you stay with an unappealed second civil union that you think is based on a declaration of nullity. Go appeal it. Test your odds. At the very least, use the Roman road as number. But I would say situation B. Use the numbers, because the Roman road is still a liberal Francis-run institution. He's the king. They're still liberal. I'd say situation B is more like 98.8% likelihood. You have a pill bottle full of 1,000 pills and 988 of them will kill you and only 12 of them will take away your headache. Will you, will you roll those dice? Of course not. Only 12 out of 1,000 pills in a bottle with no other way of knowing are valid headache help. The other 988 will kill you on the spot. Well, that's what it is to get an annulment, folks. And to remarry. It's one thing if you don't remarry. Who cares? I'm not talking about you people that are divorced. You got it annulled just to have it annulled. And you don't go remarry. It doesn't matter whether or not the Roman road is liberal. Your canonical tribunal is liberal. Because you're, you're living continently. You're all good. <clears throat> you people are heroes. Uh, we have, I'm, not gonna, I'm not kidding you. We have so many people in chat right now that are saying just that. That they got an annulment against their will and they're living single. These people, you're, God bless you. You're, look, I, I didn't see it. Steph's looking at the chat. I'm not. I wasn't bringing this up because I even saw you. I called you heroes before I even knew that yeah. you're responding. You people are legit heroes. You're living the faith with your... Sorry. Sorry to be gross. I'm not trying to be... Crotch first, right? This is where Mary says people lose their soul. The vast, I'll quote Mary directly, the virgin, in the apparitions of the 20th century says, the vast majority of souls in hell are there for reasons of the flesh, for reasons of the pelvis, as Bishop Barron always says. Yes. And therefore, the people out there who claim to be Catholic, Catholic enough to appeal, to apply for an annulment, we're going to talk about the people that don't even bother, which is a vast majority of Americans that Francis wants to minister to. They appeal. They get this rubber stamp annulment. I'm going to read you some statistics on this. Now, I wanted to make this point strongly first. Now, we'll read you some other statistics. They're like, oh, I'm so Catholic. I'm so Catholic. I, you know, that, that, that first marriage, that was nothing. 
That was a nullity. I have this declaration from my, my Skittles canonical uh, tribunal head, who's the bishop. He wants the German synodal way to make SS unions a thing. And guess what? He happens to be really liberal on issues of the groin. He says, I can go get a hot new lumberjack husband because that turns me on or whatever your thing is. No, that's not Catholic. What's Catholic is if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Imagine if we applied these standards of review. Well, yeah, I invited everyone to my party to marry this woman. I took an oath which is very specifically worded to circumvent the possibility of nullity. Did you know that? Our, our oath that we take in front of everyone is very specifically worded, even if you have the worst marriage prep in the world, to guarantee that you're not, we're not trafficking in an annulment, a future annulment. You've invited all your friends there. You get married in a church. These are the only people that, that can get annulled or need to get annulled. And we ought to assume that, you know, 999,999 of these are really marriages. There wasn't some state of mens rea, some subjective epistemic state where you're cro one of you was crossing your fingers and it looked like a marriage, a matrimony that was natural and sacramental but really wasn't. We, the world can't operate on that basis. The basis that the U.S. bishops have brought us to in 1971 and Francis reflected with a change in 2014-2015. We can't operate that way. But imagine if that standard of review, because remember, a, nul, a nullity is a retroactive statement that there never was La Cosa Nostra, this thing we're talking about. Imagine if we applied that to Pope Antipope. Nor, think about this. Reason with me, Steph. Normies will get really pissed off if you, if you say, maybe, just maybe, retroactively, Francis will be called an antipope. Right? Yeah. It's basically the same analysis as annulment. Do you right. understand why? Because with a, with a crappy spouse, with a crappy pope, no matter how crappy the spouse or the pope, I'm talking about... Um, what is it, Benedict, Benedict the 15th, or no, it's, it's Benedict the 12th or something, John the 15th, the Borgia Popes, the really famously bad ones. No matter how crappy their pontificate was, no matter how crappy your spouse is, how badly they treat you, if on the day of their vows, they were in, the, the form was correct, the words were correct, the conditions for the possibility of spousehood or popehood, were there and they intended to do the job, then you have a valid spouse even if you have a crappy husband or wife. Yep. I know they have a lot of people in chat. Some of them were like, well, my husband was mean or he cheated on me or this is not, we're not. That's not what matters. That's not what matters. It's Anti-spouse. Okay, so <laughs> when you get a declaration of nullity, it creates what's called a time paradox, back to the future fans. Well, what about all my kids I had? Uh, Francis and the libs and the normies will say, oh, your kid's out. Steph's a product of an annulled marriage, by the way. Mm -hmm. Your kid, because her, her dad's Catholic, her mom's not. She has to deal with that, okay? 
in God's wise will, if God really meant that annulment, really meant for the second marriage to be the binding one, she's got a little bit of an existential crisis. So you're one of these people, are you not? It's yeah. a bit of an existential crisis. I'm glad for it. Well, I'm a proper bastard anyway. You're a proper bastard, but you ended up being from an annulment because your dad kind of came back to the faith. Yeah. Um, but it's an existential crisis because you're from a marriage that didn't really happen if, if we buy it. And, and ironically, you're from one of the few cases that one in 20 might actually be, uh, you know, teen, teen parenthood, teen pregnancy, shotgun type wedding. You're one of, you're probably, your parents are probably one of the one in 20. Um, without giving too much info. But the point is it creates an existential crisis for these people. And the normies want to say, no, the kids were planned in God's wise will, not merely as permissive will. But that first fake marriage that was later in old, that was only in God's permissive will. Well, that's what we call a paradox, friendo. Leave that as it is. People want to have the uber low standard of review for anti-spouses. Which I'm, I'm making the analogy between an antipope, right? An annulled marriage, marriage everyone thought was a marriage, turns out later with retroactivity clause, which is really just a declaration of nullity, that it didn't happen. Um, people want to say, well, this might be, Francis said the vast majority of, mar- of Catholic marriages are actually null and void. The vast majority. Well, imagine if I said to Francis, the vast majority of popes are actually anti-popes, the way you say the vast majority of marriages are anti-marriage. Do you see the conceptual bridge here? The strong uh, ground for analogy? It's all about the mental state and the objective form observed at the time of swearing the person in to their marriage. It's all about the subjective mental state and the objective form, I need it back. Sure, we're having a kid sneaking my phone. I, I use that phone. The, it's all about the, the subjective mental state and the objective form of the Pope at the time he becomes Pope. So if you said the vast majority of the Popes are invalid, everyone would freak out. They'd get their pitchforks. You can't even say the facts. What are the facts? We've had between 30 and 35 anti-popes in the Roman Catholic Church that we acknowledge. That's about, that's about one and a half per century. You can't even say maybe Pope Francis is part of that member set of the one and a half per century. We, we, we're due for an anti-pope, right? That's using the numbers to favor the proposition. Maybe Francis is an anti-pope. There's reasons before, during, and immediately after that evidence retroactivity could later apply. I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying it could. The normies will get pissed, but they want to believe that the number of anti-spouses raised from 300 in 1968 to a couple years later, 64,000 validly raised. (coughs) That dog don't hunt. You see? The analysis for annulment and anti-pope is very, very similar. And therefore, the standards of our review should be as well. Just think about that. Just all I ask you, humble listener, I know I take a thoughtful approach to these things. It's not always crowd-pleasing, but it's not just there to provoke you. All I'm trying to provoke is thought.
Think about this over the next few days. They're in the Roman Catholic Church. There's only one viable analogate for what the hell is an annulment. All your Protestant friends, all your Jewish friends, all your secular friends will ask you, what's this annulment thing? Well, if I'm going to analogize it, I can only analogize to another retroactive Catholic thing. The only thing that's even a little bit like it is antipope. And it, you're, you're assessing the same thing, the subjective and the objective components at the time that the person was made spouse or pope. Very, very similar. And again, it's also very similar when we analyze valid spouses or valid popes who were crappy spouses or popes. Why? Because of the incentive formation in the breast of the person married to them. Or in the case of the church, the member of the church, I have to live under this crappy pope? I want to say, I, I'm incentivized to say he was invalid. I, I talked to a guy, he was like, Tim, you'd hate, you'd hate my wife. She's, she's feminist. But she became feminist after we were married. I'm like, there's nothing I can do, man. You should have let her better. Shouldn't have let her become a feminist. He's like, oh, can't, shouldn't I go get an annulment? No, you can't. You just told me she was at least neutral on the day of your wedding valid spouse but she's a feminist deal with it some people have crappy wives with a husband in particular it's probably because you let her be a crappy wife it means you're a crappy husband so you're incentivized to find anti-pope or anti-spouse annulment or anti-pope anytime there's a bad one and the fact of the matter is most spouses are just bad spouses but valid <laughs> Contrary to what Francis said, the vast You're not majority are. to just give like divorce your husband because he cheats on you, or he's like drug addict, or he ha he develops some some sort of psychological issue. It's not about what develops in the marriage. Till death do you part. Right. If it's a valid marriage, if it's a valid pontificate, till death do you part with the pontificate or the marriage. There's another ground. But he became. A huge Eagles fan, and the, everyone knows the Philadelphia Eagles are followed only by thugs. Okay, you have an Eagles fan for a husband, lady. Dudes, most of you have feminist wives. That's just a fact of our age. It's a hard fact. But it's better to have someone trying to tell the truth to you. Well, that's still your wife. You need to demand order in your home rather than get a divorce and pretend it's not a divorce. That's all you're doing, people. I mean, life is not that long. Just hang out for another, like, for 70 years, like, living a chaste life, and you have a good shot to going to heaven. It's just not that much time. No. <laughs> for an eternity. Again, people died over this issue. St. Thomas More, people went to their graves, were beheaded willingly over John this. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, over this issue. And we get 2023 20, Catholics who are like, I deserve happiness. Okay? Like, I refuse to suffer. <laughs> and happiness is, for the middle-aged dudes out there, uh, uh, whatever, a 30-year-old that looks better in a bikini or whatever, which is really what's motivating a lot of this. And that's fine. Instead of doing the hard work, just make it so that, you know, you and your wife are fit. And, and therefore, you see what attitude it cultivates when Francis says most marriages are not valid in the first place. It just allows everyone to get divorced. And it means no one's cultivating their own soul or their spouses. Whereas when you work with someone and you say, hey, 
There are times when I've gotten a little overweight or Steph's gotten a little overweight. Shocker. Everyone fluctuates weight. Under Francis's conditions, under the 1971 USCCB conditions, you just go, no problem. Most marriages are probably invalid. Guys really, every guy really wants a fit chick. I'll just go get a new chick. I, I obviously never thought of that. But if you have adult out there that's being encouraged to do this, and his wife gets more than a little out of shape, which a lot of wives and husbands out there are a lot more than a little out of shape, then they just ditch each other. And it's horrible for your soul. Remember, marriage is supposed to bring you both to heaven. The reason it's supposed to bring you both to heaven is because you as the leader and she is a faithful follower that can offer advice at times. are supposed to keep each other in check. If Steph says, Tim, do you look like some groomer with that mustache? She doesn't divorce me and get an annulment because I, like many men, look like a groomer with a mustache. She just says, please, for the love of all things sacred, shave that mustache. And I do, even though I'm the patriarch, because I love her. If if Steph wears something, I say that I, I don't prefer capri that. Pants. I wore capri pants and it was... I not, said, don't do that. But normally it's the billowy dresses. Don't don't wear those, ladies. <laughs> wear something form-fitting. I, I, You know, you're sick now? That's not even my favorite shirt that you're wearing, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sick, yeah. That, I, I will tell her, please. I like this. I don't like that. Steph will tell. This is not just a man because we're bosses thing. Steph will tell me, if you wear a mustache, I will kiss you, but I will. it will be an act of the will only. <laughs> Please don't wear a mustache. You see, if the standard for review on marriages is as low as the USCCB has said since 1971, then we just have Catholic divorce, and you have people dropping each other like they weren't spouses but boyfriend-girlfriend. It's okay to dump your girlfriend or your boyfriend because they're wearing a lot of things you don't like. You can't control them the way spouses can control each other, and therefore you're not obligated to be with them. Spouses are different. It's holy. Okay. Um, I was going to say, some people were talking about uh, annulments being infallible in chat, asking that question. I saw... They're not. Yeah. Jimmy Aiken had a very quick thing. He said, valid consummated marriages between baptized people can never be dissolved by anything except death, so tribunals can't dissolve them. And then he goes on to say, such... um, They can, however, issue findings of fact about whether such a marriage ever existed, Such findings are not protected by infallibility. They could be if the Pope were to intervene and infallibly define the status of a particular marriage, but that never happens. I mean, that's also like saying, I flip a coin, I cover up whether it's heads or tails, and I'm like, well, it could be heads or it could be tails. One of them is infallibly true. The other one is not infallibly true, if I called heads and tails at the same time. Yeah, well, obviously, there's an answer in there. So so all, the, the only thing that Aiken really offered that's helpful here is the fact that declarations of nullity are not infallible. The Roman Rota says so. The Roman Rota is the higher court. You guys, not everyone went to law school, but everyone knows that appeals courts are higher than lower courts. <coughs> I want to read to you from this article on the Catholic thing run by Robert Royal. This is from 2015. Now, here's why this is important. Francis, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Francis changed. 
He did all this arduous labor, 2014, 2015, 2016, preserved in the better part of his first decade as Pope, for Catholics who are divorced and remarried without an annulment who want to keep having sex with their new concubine, even though it's not even annulled. This means these are the really extremely, obviously unannullable cases. That's He committed his first decade of in the chair to this. But quietly before that process, when it was just winding up, <coughs> before it began, he said he changed, he adopted the U.S.'s, he, he hates the U.S., right? He hates, like, the white people in the North Americanos in the U.S. He really does. This is a well-reported, frequently, consistently reported thing throughout all 10 years of it. He does not like North Americanos. But he didn't mind ripping from that 1971 Vatican II change, the more synodal change, um, which made the numbers of annulments in the U.S. go from in one year, 338, to 28,918, almost the very next year, to within 17 years of that, 63,933. He used these norms, rejected by JP2. JP2 said Americans can have those, but in the 1983 Code of Canon Law, in between these years, he said, no, these are bad, and this will cause, JP2 specifically said, this will cause fake annulments to be handed out at a high rate, Everything I've done the show on so far. The, the, you know, the false negative from a cancer doctor. You feel great because you got a good read you like, but it's a false good read. This is a t- September 16, 2015 article <coughs> called The New Annulment Right Norms and the American Experience. Francis lifts from the 1971 American norms in 2015. It's written by Father Mike Mark A. Pylon on the Catholic thing. Pope Francis's new motu proprio, quietly released, by the way, which streamlines the annulment process, has been both praised and criticized. It is being praised because it seems to be another act of generosity and mercy by this pope. And a blessing on those in bad marriages who can now go through a fast annulment process and marry again in the church. Woohoo! It is being criticized because some see it as yet another step, undermining the indissolubility of marriage and church discipline. Now, it can't be both at once. Some who praise it also seem to think that the Pope has cleverly diffused some of the controversy expected to surface at the coming Synod on the Family and He's talking about the ordinary synod on the family. Father Pylon is writing this between the extraordinary October 2014 and the ordinary October 2015, which is the the latter of which is to be held the very next month. The luxury of retrospection, we're looking back. And those who criticize it would say that he has diffused it by simply granting another quick solution to the process of divorce and communion, right? If everyone can get annulments now, why do you even need to do a Morris Laetitia? Francis did it anyway because he wasn't doing it for them. He was doing it to make lenient sexual rules simplicitaire. They think this is an extreme liberalization which virtually guarantees the quick and easy annulment, which by all measures he seems to agree with. I don't know why he's saying they think. 
The basis of this last assessment may well be the experience of the American church. Here are the money paragraphs. In 1971, Paul VI allowed the National Conference of Catholic Bishops to use experimental norms for marriage cases. These norms became the law in the United States. These norms are what caused the number of 300-ish annulments per year in a you know, multi-million country to rise two figures, two significant figures, 300, 200, three digits to five digits, 28,000, 64,000. <coughs> These norms became the law in the United States. What were they? First, Steph, we, we read Francis's Motu Proprio I read last night. You read so much. Steph I got read... caught doing research into the night. Yeah, I read all of his, um, he addresses the Roman Rota once a year. You read like almost I all of them. I read all of them. Yeah, they're not long. Steph read like eight or nine Roman Rota addresses, at one one per year. You might have skipped some of them, but we read some of the big um, salad years, um, as we thought they would correspond with action in the various synods, and they were very interesting. He's basically begging them to you know make more Catholic divorce, which he did. But here's the first norm. This is the big one direct correlation with expanding annulments rather than diminishing them. One judge alone can now hear a marriage case in most circumstances instead of two. And how it worked before the norm, the Catholic norms for annulment were that at two separate times, you went to checkpoint one, a judge, here's your case, and he says, that's a good annulment. You have to go to a second judge who would throw out a bunch. So it's basically an inbuilt appeals process. Even on the first step of the Declaration of Annulity, there were two steps. Even on the initial uh, proclamation of nullity, <laughs> there's, a, there's like a, an appeal in it because there's a second judge. Gone in, in 1971. There's just one judge. Norm number two. There was now no mandatory appeal to a second tribunal. I guess, I guess that's, I guess that I, I rolled those two conditions together, or maybe they're they're discrete. <coughs> Three. Now short time frames are established for each part of the entire process, so that a case could move from start to finish in eight months. It's like fast food. Sound familiar? They are virtually the new procedures that Francis just adopted, he means, though they go one step further and shorten the process in some cases to 45 days. Hot Latin new spouse, ready for you in 45 days, in a month and a half. We can trash your old wife. We made it where it will definitely be a, a Catholic divorce that, that you rubber got rubber stamped. And you can have your hot new Eastern European mail-order spouse, <coughs> your new discotheque Latin lover, 45 days or less, your pizza will still be hot. These very procedures, however, were deliberately omitted by Pope John Paul II when he personally addressed the marriage canons in the 1983 Code of Canon Law and obviously found the experimental American norms lacking. His annual addresses to the Roman Rhoda 
I'm talking JP too, not Francis. Now, I guess the Pope always addresses the Roman Rota, not just Francis. Suggests why JP two did so. For he frequently warned how the indissolubility of marriage could be undermined <coughs> by a too lax annulment process. <coughs> Let me repeat that. JP two rejected the norms from America that Francis eventually embraced because he frequently warned how the indissolubility of marriage could be undermined by a too lax annulment process. That annulment process got reified, embraced by Francis. So what we have is just what I said. 98.8% of annulments are fake. They're creating... ostensibly annulled uh, adultery. He never mentioned the American experimental norms as such, JP2, but was well aware of the explosion of annulments in this country after those norms were put in place. (coughs) In the late 1960s, before the new norms, There were fewer than 400 annulments here. And it was actually far closer to 300. It was 338. Thanks. Um, But in the years following the number of annulments, (coughs) but in the years following, I should say, the number of annulments ballooned into tens of thousands. 28, 918 in 1974, 63,933 in 1991. Um, Today, the church in the United States accounts for half the annulments worldwide, even though it has only 6% of the world's Catholics. Sorry, just coughing up phlegm here. Um, and this number is often put at um, higher than half. The U.S. accounts for more than half the annulments worldwide. Some figures have it accounting for 70% of the annulments. So between 50 and 70% of the annulments worldwide. There are like, now that, that annulments have dropped from 1991, which was, I think, the high, all-time high, there aren't 63,000 in the U.S., there are like 60, 60-ish thousand in the world. And the U.S. accounts for about 70% of those. This priest thinks it's 50. Um, it has only 6% of the world's Catholics, but we account for somewhere between 55 and 70% of the world's annulments. Thank you. That's because... I needed this bad. Halls. That's because those norms undertaken in America in 1971 created Catholic divorce. And those norms which created Catholic divorce were rejected by all other popes between 1971 and now. And Francis, who embraced them eventually in the midst of all this.
It would take real blindness not to see the relevance of these norms for this explosion. Okay? I mean, well, it's just correlation. That's not causation. Well, you can never prove causation. Causation is a first principle. You can never prove causation. And St. John Paul II was anything but blind. Today, the United States is the abortion capital of the world, he analogizes. And the American church is the annulment capital. The church can say all she wants that an annulment is not a divorce, which is obviously true in terms of Catholic doctrine. But the general population, including a huge percentage of Catholics, has simply come to see the annulment process as Catholic divorce. Not just the population who's misinformed, but the church, from the Pope to the bishops down, have made annulment into Catholic divorce. An Anglican friend of mine, he writes, used to chide me in the 1970s. We Anglicans call it divorce, and you Catholics call it annulment. (coughs) But in the end, it amounts to the same thing in the way it affects people's lives. They have a divorce mentality. Pope Francis has a divorce mentality. I read you the claim where he said the vast majority of people can get an annulment. He had to shave it down to 50%, according to Cardinal Casper. We now have an annulment mentality, which Father Pylon is really saying is a divorce mentality. That new mentality might explain why the number of marriages itself is sinking today. <coughs> and the number of annulments is gradually declining. Many Catholics ask, why bother? Now, he says Pope Francis surely has the best intentions, but his whole article contradicts that. So I don't think that's true. With the new experimental norms, only in America in 1971, globalized by Francis in 2015, the incapacity to form the communion of life that constitutes marriage was added as one of the norms. Communion of life is very subjective. It's an indeterminate concept, as are psychological impediments to forming that communion. Look how the elements changed. What are the essential obligations of marriage? Before they were objective. After 1971 in America, after 2015 in all the world, they were made subjective so that anyone could grant them at 50,000 times the frequency they were when they were objective. They used to be three marriage goods identified by St. Augustine which are reasonably objective. Offspring, fidelity, and indissolubility. Likewise, the grounds connected to these were fairly objective, if not easy to verify. Intentional, intention not to have children by other partner, pertaining to the first. The intention not to remain faithful by other partner. The intention to enter a marriage that was not permanent. <coughs> Thank you. Yeah, I thought I'd avoided it. So now communion of life is suddenly one of the elements that matter. No one knows what communion of life means. If the communion of life between you and your spouse shuts down for a day, which again, 
doesn't really involve your mens rea around the time you entered into a marriage. And communion of life will, feel, will shut down every once in a while. You will have days where you have fights. Steph and I argue very infrequently, right? Right. Not never. Very infrequently is not never. You could say my communion of life is gone and it has nothing to do with those three objective intentions. Objective subjectives. Everyone who takes the Catholic vows, 99.9%. No, we have to procreate or at least say we're going to. We have to be faithful to each other and we have to be faithful until life. It's in the vow. All three of these are insinuated or directly in the vow. So really, there should be basically no annulments. If you disagree with this, then you probably don't know who King Henry VIII or King Herod or John the Baptist or St. Thomas More were. There really aren't, there really isn't Catholic divorce. And therefore, there really aren't many Catholic annulments. It should be a one in a million situation, people. And if you are in the dangerous situation of risking your eternal soul, going to hell, by assuming that you are the one out of a million, and all your friends also have divorces and annulments, you ought to scratch your head and think, that's weird, all of us have won the lottery. We're all the one out of a million who received a really impossible thing to receive, a declaratio of nullity. You and all the... Buddies, everyone in your town, (laughs) everyone in your town, everyone you hang out with, though, you go to dinner and you're all, let's say, divorced and remarried baby boomers with a declaratio of nullity. You all have kids from a former marriage. (coughs) They're not an annulment, but the spouse was. You're you stacked up. Let's say it's you and three or four of your buddies. You're all one in a million. You're all lotto winners. That should strike you as false. It's a good article. Now, Steph did so much good research that I don't want to ignore it. Just some parting shot statistics. What was interesting uh, when I was reading through Pope Francis' addresses to the Roman Rota, it was they all of them really, he relied very heavily on the fact that most he didn't say that the the line most marriages are invalid in the addresses like he did later but you can tell that's his point of view because throughout them he's he's talking about how people don't understand uh they're not catechized they don't know what they're doing they it's a justification for one and only one point of view right we need more annulments we need basically it was a plea to free their conscience because they didn't know what they were getting into again these are people who dressed and planned for a wedding like like this is (laughs) so hard to believe i'm sorry can you say this can you say this again so you so the pope addresses the the high canonical court just for review once a year (laughs) Steph read through many or most of Francis's addresses. Of okay, all of them. Yeah. Year by year last night, I came, took a hot shower to try to feel better before bed. Came out. She's reading through them all. And she's like, wow. He, keep, <coughs> he keeps mentioning the synod and synodality. He keeps saying we have to be compassionate. We cannot be like... Um, 
We can't be legalistic. Legalistic, pharisaical. Which is funny because he would say, we cannot be legalistic in one sentence. And in the next sentence, he'd be like citing Amoris Laetitia, like ad nauseum. Right. You know, it's it was just, it was quite funny. But yeah, the, the main theme was that most people who enter into marriage have no idea what they're doing because the, the, the culture is so rotten. And so therefore they shouldn't be held accountable for that choice look and it up do should, your own research if you don't believe us. their conscience he kept he kept using yeah. the phrase liberate their conscience free their conscience which i i interpreted as just give them the annulment now i'm yep. sure other people will have a problem with, with my interpretation but that no 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 it's, it's very consistent what i what i want to say is this unlike a lot of the headliner issues this is kind of liminal like this is really important steph this is liminal Looking at the annulment process is like looking at the liminal spaces that he doesn't want you to look at. <laughs> yeah. The the synod on the family, the um, the the Amoris Laetitia, which was a post synodal exhortation, and then all of his bulwarkings of Amoris Laetitia since 2016. And that's looking where he wants you to look. And I have been a very strong voice, probably the strongest voice, or the loudest anyway, against. Morsetitsi is bad. It's Catholic divorce. It's Catholic, basically, uh, uh, adultery, christened by this guy. Oh, and here's the history of it. I've done lots of histories. Cardinal Casper started pushing for this in 1993. Cardinal Casper is one of the three most important men who made Francis Pope. Cardinal Casper is part of a group that said, as early as 1996, there's only one bishop crazy and liberal and evil enough to do what I want to do with the other song calling guys. He said it's Mario Bergoglio. But I, I don't know. However you get around all those facts, get around them. That's looking in the place, the shiny spot Pope Francis wants you to look. Looking at the annulment process is looking in the liminal space, looking at him from behind as he's speaking, looking where he doesn't want you to look. And what step, the reason we did so much research on this, more than the average show, I really appreciate your help, Steph, by the way, is because this was the quiet announcement of making annulment basically impossible to be denied the way the bishops in America made it impossible for Americans to be denied or near impossible for annulments such that why would you even need to have the synods on the family in 2014 and 2015, and then a more He's doing something else. <clears throat> and you can't disagree about what Francis's motu proprio adopting the 1971 American norms did and what it was intended to do. Any more than you can deny that pulling a goalie in soccer, I hate to use a soccer metaphor, I want to kick my own ass, right? If I pull the goalie, that makes it as a matter of fact, this is not a matter of hermeneutics of suspicion. I heard goobers throwing this term around. This is not a hermeneutic, you goofs, okay? This is a fact. If you pull the goalie, in a soccer match, it becomes easier to score on a goal without a goalie. Pope Francis, main norm he took from America, 
was pulling the second goalie. You had two goalies before. He's like, let's pull one of them. There will be more scores on goal. There were. He saw in America, he went from 338 one year to 29,000 almost the next year. A few decades later, 64,000 almost. Francis said, I want to do that. And I want to apply what happened in America to the whole world. As he did that quietly, you can't deny what the goal must have been. He had both the norms and the results of the norms at hand because he was looking at America. It's the one thing that America did that he seems to admire. Make Catholic divorce. And then when you look at the two things together, where he wanted you to look, the process of communion for the divorce of the civilly remarried who couldn't get annulments, everything in those two synods plus amoris, and where he didn't want you to look, his quiet little motu proprio, do we have the title of it? It was, yeah. Um, his little motu proprio, he released between those synods for making it basically impossible not to be denied for an annulment. There is now no one who's Catholic that can't get a divorce and for all intents and purposes, be a part of the church. There is Catholic divorce because of Pope Francis. What I find interesting, too, is why do we need a fast annulment? Like, mm. why does anyone need a quick annulment? Unless they're planning to transition on to another person, right? Whoa, with, whoa, whoa, with whoa. a decision like that, but, I would want them to take as much time as they need to make sure yeah. I could still have a chance to get into heaven. It doesn't make any sense to me outside of the fact that people just want to get remarried. They just want to get remarried. They want to People get want to start having possible. sex again. Yeah, they want to That's start having sex up. again. And so they need quick decisions so that they can have the excuse to start having sex again or get remarried or whatever, which is why, like, the whole quick annulment thing, right. they were parading that around like, oh, that's that Good. we really need this. And I'm thinking, why do you need that? And that that's that, a bonum commune. That answers anything, everything right there. The right. fact that we need lightning fast annulments, mm -hmm. the, the, why? Uh, hmm, I wonder why. Maybe the reason why we need lightning fast annulments is the reason why we have an annulment problem all along. Is because people just want to have sex with somebody different. <laughs> right. Yeah, counter that argument. I, I'd love to hear someone counter that argument Steph just made. I guess the attempt would be well, Tim and Steph, even you admit that 1.2 out of every 100 annulments granted in America is valid, right? Because I said 98.8. Yes. So for those 1.2 persons out of every 100, those 12 people out of every 1,000, don't they deserve their annulment? Yes. 12. My numbers show more than, more than, more than 95%, fewer than 5%. Only 12 out of every 1,000 people get an annulment. Deserve it. Don't they deserve it lightning fast? No. No. They still erred, my friends. Even if you're a goofball who, one of the very few who deserve your annulment, you still, got, you still did the crime you got to do the time. This just means declaration of nullity, real, valid, not different from the first 1970 years of the church to get your truly first spouse and enjoy marital sex with them. 
but you still goofed. This is you still made an unforced error. If a normal, whether they take eight months or eight years, you still ought to pay. You still call even in a valid annulment. You still called all your friends, all your family together, and you go check this out. Watch me make this vow. Now, if you're one of the valid annulments, you might have had someone that's kind of lying to you. So it attenuates your culpability. But you still ought to have been able to tell. I was taught on Pearl's show, I was talking to Paul Elam about this, who's a MGTOW guy. Hates marriage, but agrees that feminism is out of control. He doesn't like marriage, though. Even he agreed, look, men aren't just the, men are usually the victims of divorce. What is it, 70 or 75% of divorces are filed by out-of-control feminist women. It's like 70 or 75%. So men are the victims of divorce. But I'm still not saying you're totally off the hook, even if you're an annullable divorcee. You ought to have been able to tell. Okay? Now, yes, you'll be able to get married again. And good, good for it, because it's not really getting married again. It's getting married the first time. But waiting for eight months or a year, or whatever the amount of time it takes should help to chasten you in the crucible of the temperance you lacked, which led to an old marriage. Right. At the bare minimum, you need some time to cool off and reevaluate your priorities because you picked a bad one. Yeah. And you don't need to be rushing back into choices again. Right. And also, you're getting a little boon, too, because I'm sure you had sex with your first non-spouse, your, your anti-spouse, right? Well, you, unlike all the other faithful Catholics out there, I'm not saying this is why you did it, but you will, as a matter of historical fact, be able to have licit Catholic sex with two women or two men instead of just one. Well, there's a little bit of a price tag on that, even if it's a valid annulment. But, but I'm barely talking to anyone anyway. You know why? Because very few of you have valid annulments. And again, Most of you have fake annulments. You need to go back to your former spouse. Again, if you value turning into a meanie salvation. or cheating on you or whatever. The, you, just fill in the blank. Like it, just your husband turning into a jerk does not grant you the right to divorce. You, what, what you should do is you should work pray for out. your husband's soul. Try to work it out. If go he's to heaven such together. a big jerk, if he's such a big, big jerk, that you can't physically share space with him for safety reasons. The church does say you can live separately, but you are still married. Right. You are still married to that jerk. He's well, still your husband. Not, not to almost no one anyway. Um, you know, violence runs with testosterone. Testosterone's never been lower, so we're talking to almost no one. It's an empty set. Um, look, the big help... If people take this message seriously and they're like, all right, fine. I'll try returning to my other spouse as long as they're not dangerous. What do I do? Live under the patriarchy. You have a system. The man makes all the decisions. If you're Catholic or, or even Christian. And you have to have sex lots. That's the thing. That's We're not telling you not to have sex. We're telling you not to have sex with some concubine who's not your spouse because the church at a 99% rate gives you a false positive. Oh, go ahead and have sex with this person. That's probably adultery. That's probably an adulterous second union, even in those cases where the particular church said otherwise. Go back, work it out, leave it under the patriarchy so you don't have to argue. There's nothing to argue about, right? Steph, there's nothing to argue about, no. right? 
When you live under patriarchy, there's nothing to argue about. The guy says it. We got to go do it. Be as chipper as you can, both of you. But the guy's the boss. Have lots of marital sex. You could probably work it out. Last analogy, I already made it. If you if you want to hold normies, that basically the vast majority of marriages are on the basis of you know subjective mental state, null and void, retroactively. Then ask yourself why do you object to saying that there are occasionally anti-popes in the church on the basis of flawed subjective mental state of the person who ends up being an anti-pope? The numbers bear it out. There have been at least 30 anti-popes in the church. That is one and a half per century. I'm just asking. This is a rhetorical question, partly. But I'm also curious to get a real answer. The numbers suggest we do have occasional anti-popes, just as we have occasional anti-spouses, valid annulments. Why would one be the vast majority and one would be the vast minority? I don't understand. They're based on almost the exact same analysis. Think about that. We're due for an anti-pope, by the way, judging by the law of averages. I hope this has been helpful to you guys. And I hope if you are divorced civilly from a spouse, what God wills is in most cases, in 98.8% of these cases, judging as the church judged for 1,971 years, before Vatican II when everything changed and fell apart. I hope you can give him a call. Start to work it out. Buy Steph's book. Ask your husband. Or just like so many. Go home. Work it out. Of the, the, the very heroic people in chat, live a single life. Yeah. Never remarry. Never. No problem with that. Remarry. Yeah. Just live out your life. Spend your time on earth. It's not that long. And your soul will thank you later. Your soul will shake your hand in heaven. And the general judgment, when you get your body back, your soul and your body will slap a high five. They'll be like, dog, Got you. That was legit. No cap. Dog, come back into me, soul. I'm your body. Thank you for not bringing both of us to hell because you're just too horny. God bless you guys all. I hope everything works out for everyone. There's Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women,